And uh, while you turn in there, I'm going to open in the uh, word of prayer and ask the Lord to meet with us tonight. I've been really encouraged already coming uh, here, meeting all you folks. Uh, it's a blessing to see young people, conservative young people. Uh, my wife and I are uh, conservative, uh, Bible-believing, uh, King James uh, um, I've lost my tongue. But anyways, we uh, love the Lord and we love being around people that to love the Lord and love sticking to the word of God. Tonight I'm bringing you to the word of God, not man's wisdom, not my wisdom, but the Lord's wisdom. And I want to bring that to you first of all tonight. And I am uh, greatly blessed. The singing was amazing. And uh, I'm just really encouraged already. And I met half of you, maybe a quarter of you guys. So uh, I'm blessed. Um, already. Well, let's open in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you tonight, Lord. I want to give you the glory. I want to give you the thanks for what you've done in my life and what you've done in so many hearts here and what you're going to do. I pray you'll open your word and that your Holy Spirit will be here with us tonight and speak to our hearts. I thank you and I uh, pray in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if you want to turn to um, Matthew chapter 18, we're going to be looking from verse 32 um, down to um, 35, uh, Matthew chapter 18. Um, let me read this, uh, and then I want to share with you the burden that the Lord has put on my heart, the reason I'm bringing this uh, passage to you tonight. It's about forgiveness. Um, so Matthew chapter 18 and 21 and then came Peter unto him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him seven times. And Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but I say unto thee seventy times seven. I grew up in a family of 15 brothers and sisters. Um, well, actually, 14 brothers and sisters, because I'm one of the 15. Um, and my dad was very abusive uh, to us. And uh, he did things that put him in jail in 2004. And I'm not going to go into any details, because there's no reason for me to, because I don't remember a lot of the details, because I've been able to forgive and be, uh, go beyond those uh, memories and not remember those. If you asked me, if you came up to me afterwards and said, can you remember what your dad did to you that you didn't like it, I would tell you, no, I can't. Because of why? I accepted Jesus' forgiveness, and I forgave my dad. My family grew up in the woods. We lived in the woods. When I mean living in the woods, probably most of you think of what I'm not about to describe because we lived off the land. We had no running water. We had no electricity. We lived in a cabin with a sod roof. Uh, we built uh, off the land. We lived off the land. We went and hunted and fished and grew in the garden and had cattle and, sh and uh, sh sheep, goats, horses. We lived on our horses. And we lived 9,000 feet in the Rocky Mountains of New Mexico. And it took a day journey just to get down to Mora, which is a town of little about 30 people. Um, and we were all born, except for the last four, in that little cabin 9,000 feet in the Rocky Mountains 
where I was born. When I was eight, we moved to Alaska. Now, my dad was very religious. Everybody asked, so you got a name, Job, your dad must have been religious. Well, yes, he was. But he did not believe the Bible. Because he took the Bible and he interpreted it his own way. And he made it believe what he wanted it to believe. And whenever someone does that, that is bad. Yep. Yeah. And you ask, so how could he done that? You look around and you get all, see all these people in church. Yeah. Well, my dad never went to church. He isolated us from the world. He isolated himself from the world. So, you, so my point being, you all coming to church is accountability to each other. To hold each other accountable that they don't go away from the Bible and start doing their own thing. And that is the reason why you must stay in church and not just go isolate yourself. I'm a Christian and I can do what I want. I'm going to go read my Bible. I'm going to take my family and go away from the world. It sounded good. He was like, we're the only Christians and I'm going to go separate my family from the world. And he didn't teach us how to read and write. He didn't want us to... Uh, read anything in the world. He didn't want us to uh, listen to bad uh, words. I never, till this day, haven't watched TV. Now, not because I haven't had a choice when I got older, but there's no reason for me to watch TV, and my dad never had me watch TV, and I'm grateful for that. So there's a lot of things that my dad did that were blessing to us in the sense, because he taught us how to work. He taught us how to live off the land. When it were, the time came, we weren't and we needed to do something, we didn't say, oh, I can't do that. We lived in the mountains. You do it or you die. And so it wasn't, oh, I can't do that. And that's a really good uh, uh, analogy of, in our lives. When God brings something into our lives that's too difficult, we should not say, oh, I can't do that. Because all things are possible through Christ. My wife and I have been dealing with some very difficult things instead of giving up and saying oh I can't do this I've done what I've always done and what my dad taught me is don't give up keep going so the reason I bring up the things that my dad taught me are good is because that's what I remember because I've forgiven him I've forgiven the things that I've done in the past. Now, another family, when I was uh, 12 years old, took us in, a family of nine in Palmer, Alaska, and they took all 15 of us in, and we lived with that family. They were a very godly Christian family, and they taught us the Word of God. They taught us school when I was 12. I learned my ABCs, and one, two, three, a lot of you kids are like, what? <laughs> I can be 12 years old and learn my ABCs? Well, as you probably notice, and you will notice, that I'm still behind. That repetition is important. And in my reading, in my struggle to learn uh, big words, it's still a struggle. But I want to share a little bit later, too, the native people that I minister into their second language is English. They speak slow, they read slow, and they understand simple words. God prepared me for that ministry. God prepared me for what he had for my future. Now, I'm not boasting about uh, anything. It's that God has used my failures for his glory and for his purpose, which I am very grateful for. But why am I, out of my 15 siblings, the only one that's serving the Lord on the field? Now, I'm not saying that all my siblings haven't forgiven but most of my siblings are still struggling with forgiveness. 
and bitterness. And some of them, the bitterness is destroying their lives. Yeah. Now, I preference that story is so that you guys understand where I'm coming from. And you guys understand that when I stand up here and talk about forgiveness, it's not a joke. And it's not something that I haven't done. Now, when I was preparing this message, the Lord brought something into my mind that I, haven't, I hadn't forgiven. And I got on my knees and I asked the Lord, well, I didn't realize I hadn't forgiven that. And I let that go. So even though it's a, uh, I've forgiven my dad and I've given things along the way, it's a continual process. So with that being said, a little bit of my story, I want to dig right into the uh, um, passage here. Now, the pastor didn't give me amount of time to preach here, so um, I don't know how much of time. Do I have two hours, maybe, <laughs> maybe 40 minutes? Uh, I don't know. Let's see what the Lord does. <laughs> um, anyways, so and uh, Matthew, it says, Peter came to Jesus. And he asked him, if my brother sinned against me, how often should I forgive? And Jesus said, I don't say unto you seven times, but I say 70 times seven. How many of you in this room, raise your hand if someone has sinned against you 70 times seven in one day? Wow, there's no one. How many of you in this room has you had someone sin against you in seven days? Raise your hand. Not even seven. Yeah. How many in this room have had someone sin against you one time? All the hands go up. So what we're talking about is that we're to always forgive. And it's not an option. It's to always. Because if you have it, no one in this room even seven times, Jesus says there's no excuse. Because he said 70 times seven. And then he goes into... Um, in 24. And when he had begun beckoning, one was brought unto him, which owed 10,000 talents. Oh, wait, I skipped 30, uh, 23. I was like, something's wrong here. Um, in th uh, 23, it says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would have, which would take an account of his servant. And he, when he had uh, began to beckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 uh, talents. Now, back then, that's a lot of money. I don't know how much that would compare to today. Because I looked at it and it said, oh, it was about $12,000 U.S. dollars. But if you take that 12,000 U.S. dollars and put it all the way back 2,000 years ago. Right. That's probably over $100,000. Now, that's my estimation. But we, we don't really know. What we do know, it was a large sum of money. And the reason we know it's a large sum of money, because he says, but we're, uh, for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife uh, and his wife and his children and all that he had and pay for the uh, and payment to be made. So he had to sell his wife, his children, and all that he had to pay this. That's a large sum of money. Just think about everything you owned, including the shirt on your back, including you being sold into slavery. That's what this man had to owe. Now, every single one of us in this room 
owes a debt greater than that. Turn over to Romans chapter uh, 6. It says, for the wages of sin is death. What is death? Eternal death. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what did they earn because of their sin? Death. death. He said, you will have eternal death. And that eternal death is hell. And I'm not using the bad word. I'm saying that we are going to suffer in hell forever because of our sins. That is our wage. That is what we earn. If you go down and work a job, which probably everybody in this room does, what do you earn for working that job? You earn a wage, right? So we earn the wage of sin. It's not God's fault that we sinned. It's our own fault. Every single one of us owe that same debt and a greater debt than this man owed right here. But it says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'll get into more of that last half in a minute. And then in 26, And the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him and said, uh, uh, Oh wait, and said, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And, uh, and then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion, and he loosed him and forgave all, that he ha- all the debt. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, which I mismentioned, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. What is that gift? The gift is death on the cross. We owe death. What did Jesus do? He died on the cross. So he took that death for us. We no longer owe that death penalty. He has offered salvation to every single person on this earth. Not a single person is excluded. The guy that murdered 50,000 people because he wanted to go mass murder. I'm just throwing out a number is still offered the same thing you are offered. And is still worthy of the same thing you are offered. It doesn't exclude anyone. That forgiveness I'm relating to this man here. He was offered forgiveness. And this man, what did he do in 28? But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow uh, uh, sorry, fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pennies. And he laid hold on him and took him by the throat and said, pay me uh, that thou owest. I have a question for you. Did that man accept the forgiveness that he received? No. How do you know? Because he did not extend forgiveness to someone else. That owed him what? A hundred pennies. It was pennies compared to what he just forgiven. What we have to forgive our fellow brother is pennies compared to what God has forgiven us. And if you're in this room tonight and you're unwilling to forgive and unwilling to let go of hurt and bitterness, it could be an indication that you have not accepted Jesus' forgiveness for you. Because this man did not accept this forgiveness. He took it and gain, took it for himself. He took it as gain. And how many people that we know and preachers that we know that take God's forgiveness as gain, as gain, and they go and become wealthy or famous 
it's gain, but they never accepted God's forgiveness. And then you see them fall away from God and you're like, how could that happen? It happens because he didn't accept what God gave him. He didn't take it personally. He just took it as gain. This man took it as gain and he did not accept it as his own. And then in uh, 29, and this fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison until he should pay that debt. He went as far as casting him in prison. He followed through. He did not just not forgive. He followed through completely and threw him into prison. How many of us, when someone has sinned against us, maybe they just said something that really offended us. And we leave church. I'll never go to that church again because that guy is going still there. Because I don't want to see his face again. How many of us hold on to that? He may never even know what he said. How many of us have said something and go, bring that back. I didn't mean that. Right. right? So why can't you think in my mind, I have sinned greatly and I have been forgiven. Not only by God, but by everybody around me. My family has forgiven me for the things that I've done. I forgave my dad for the things that he did. And I've been able to let go and not remember. So my challenge to you tonight is that forgiveness is not an option. God didn't give us an option in the scripture. It's a commandment. Let's keep reading. 31. And um, so when his, uh, sorry, so when his servant saw what was done, uh, they uh, were very sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he, after that he had called him, said unto thee, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all thy debt because thou desirest me. So he desired him and he said, I forgive ye. Shouldest thou not, shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors until he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall your, shall my heavenly father also do unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Now, I love how he said, from your heart. From your heart. Sometimes we have this idea that a brother said something that offended us or did something that we didn't like. And we go and we say, you know, brother, you really offended me and I forgive you. What, what message did you just send to that brother? Right? You just said, you, you hurt me. Now he's offended with you because 
he didn't know he hurt you and he didn't mean to hurt you and now he has to forgive you. But what God says, forgive in your heart. Now, I'm not saying that there's times where you both know that there's contention and there's unforgiveness and you know that your brother knows that he hurt you and you know that he knows that you're not willing to forgive him. In that case, I really feel like you should go and say, you know, brother, I release you of that. I'm going to forgive you. In court, when my dad was standing trial and he was sentenced 120 years in prison, I stood up and I said, dad, I forgive you for everything you've ever done. And I released it to him. Amen. My dad at that point didn't even accept that forgiveness because he said, I didn't do anything wrong to you. And he died in jail saying, I didn't do anything wrong to you. Now, I needed to do that publicly to him because it was a public thing that he did to me. Now, if it's just a private thing that someone did to you, take it up with God and do it privately before God. The thing I mentioned that I had to release to God when I was preparing this message, that person will never find out that I forgave them. It was a personal matter that was me that got offended with them. So, in your heart, you must forgive. What happens when we do not forgive? We find ourselves behind bars. And I want to bring you a few scriptures that will uh, bring out the point that I'm meaning here. So, in uh, Proverbs chapter 18, let's go to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19. It says, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. So if there's contention among you, an offended brother is harder than, to be won than a strong city. I'm sure a lot of you have heard the story of the battle of Jericho. They marched around the battle of the walls, the strong walls, but God crumbled those walls. God did it because Moses, I mean, Joshua obeyed exactly to T what God said. And if you obey exactly what God has said in Scripture and forgive you and forgive your brother, those offenses will crumble. But if you don't, you will put yourself behind bars. Job, well, actually, Hebrews um, chapter 12, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. And I'm not going to preach for two hours, don't worry. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Look diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest the root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby be defiled. The root of bitterness, the root of bitterness is unforgiveness. Because bitterness comes from unforgiveness. In the Pakiak, we planted a garden every year. 
for the village. And that's how we actually got to the village to continue the work there, which I'll go into a little bit more. But we plant a potato in the garden. We plant potatoes. That potato grows and it springs out roots. And those roots produce more potatoes. That's an example of roots. If you plant unforgiveness in the ground in your life, well, what will produce and what will multiply is bitterness. When you plant one potato, how many potatoes you typically get? Anywhere between five. Actually, I've counted up to 25 in one hole in the Pakiak. Now, some of them are pretty small, but I've counted up to 25 potatoes. So I know it's possible you can have up to 25. Typically, it's about 10 potatoes per hole. But what I'm meaning is that it multiplies and it will reap havoc on your life. Proverbs chapter 15 and uh, 13. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13. If I can find it myself. It says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but a sorrowful heart is a... uh, Sorry, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. So the spirit is broken because of a sorrowful heart. Where does sorrow come from? Sorrow comes from bitterness and bitterness comes from unforgiveness now flip over a couple pages um, actually I'm going to uh, hold your place because we're going to Proverbs 17 22 but go over to Job I have to share scripture out of Job you know um, no this verse is very um, agreeable to this uh, message tonight Job chapter 21 verse 25 it says And another dieth in the bitterness of his soul, and never eateth with pleasure. So he's saying that some die in the bitterness of their soul. Who do you know in the Bible that had to forgive not only God, but everybody around him more than anybody else in the Bible? Job, right? He not only had everything he had, being a millionaire that he was in that day, he lost his children. He lost his everything and even had his wife come to him and say, you know, you should just give up. And yet, what did he do? And then he had his three friends. I think he probably had to forgive his friends more than anything else because he blamed the devil for everything else. But then his three friends, his friends came to him and sat for how many days blaming him that it was his fault. I think, I remember, I didn't prepare this, but he said he prayed for his friends and God turned his captivity. That was forgiveness. Praying for your brother, brother, it turns your captivity. Job went through a lot, and he didn't blame God. Now, there's some in this room that might have gone through miscarriages. Some in this room that might have lost a child. You might have lost a mother. You might have lost a sister. 
you might have lost a grandmother and you might be still struggling with forgiving God. You're like, God, why did you take him? I don't understand. This is too much. Now, sorrow of a lost one is okay. But on forgiveness and blaming someone else for the death, maybe somebody ran into your car where your sister was driving and it killed him. And you're like, I don't know how I can forgive that guy. Being drunk, driving down the road the wrong side. You need to. If you don't, what will happen? It will turn into bitterness. And then, what happens to bitterness? It brings sorrow of the spirit. And it breaks the spirit. Because in 15 it says, in 13 it says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but sorrow of the heart breaketh, uh, the spirit is broken. In Proverbs chapter um, uh, 17 and tw- uh, 22, it says, A merry heart maketh a good, sorry, a merry heart doth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit, sorry, but a broke, broken spirit drieth up the bones. So sorrow comes from bitterness. Bitterness comes from unforgiveness. But where does sorrow lead? It leads to a broken spirit. And where does a broken spirit lead? Look here. It says, a broken spirit doth what? Drieth up the bones. It drieth the bones. So Ezekiel went to the valley, and what did he see? A bunch of dry bones. They were dead people. And now, I'm not going to go into a sermon about Ezekiel, but what I'm going at is dry bones represent what? Death. They represent destruction of the body. The broken spirit represents destruction of the body. Some people, because of unforgiveness, its roots all the way back to unforgiveness, become broken down. Their marrow dries up and they die. They not only die spiritually, but they die physically. Why? Because of unforgiveness. So tonight, I don't want to see any of you all dried up, broken bones because of unforgiveness. There's no reason for that. There's no reason why any of us in this room should be dried up in unforgiveness. Last scripture for tonight. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 Ephesians chapter 4, four verse 31 and 32. Let me turn over there. The good thing about me turning there is it gives you time to turn there, right? <laughs> so Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 31. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So bitterness is rated right up there with anger, wrath, malice, evil speaking. Now we rate, we uh, relate evil speaking and wrath and anger to the guy on the street that's down there punching his buddy out because they're mad, right? 
But God, if we say, man, that person is so bad, he's so evil and wicked. But if you're sitting in this room tonight and you have unforgiveness and you have bitterness in your life, what did he just say? That you're no difference than that guy down there. No difference. So it is your responsibility tonight to get your life right with God and to forgive because unforgiveness destroys, right? And unforgiveness will keep you from ever walking with God and going further in your walk with God. I want to recap seven things, seven questions I have for you tonight. Who should you forgive? Everyone. When should you forgive and how often? Every time and always. What happens when you do not forgive? Bitterness. And I like to say you put yourself behind bars. When we think behind bars, what do you, what immediately comes to your mind? Jail. jail. The prisoner down the road. Do you want to be that prisoner in that jail? Because what does he have? Nothing. Nothing. He doesn't even have his, he doesn't even own his own clothes on his back. He has no freedom at all. Now, he might find God in prison and have joy and peace. I'm not getting to that. But his physical state, he has no freedom. Now, you can put yourself behind bars and you will have no freedom and not even know your own life because of bitterness. Five. Sorry, I think I missed four. What does unforgiveness do to us? It destroys our life. How, how do we get rid of a bitterness and anger in our hearts? Forgiveness, right? How do we uh, restore our joy and peace in our life? For by forgiveness. If you don't have joy and peace in your life, that may be a good indication that you need to examine your heart to figure out where the, uh, the trouble is coming from and where the peace is going because your peace and joy will go away from you because of unforgiveness. And lastly, how do you keep from becoming bitter and anger, angry by always forgiving? Now, the pastor did say that I can go into the... Um, presentation right after this but I feel led of the Lord and I will share my presentation to uh, present a altar um, to uh, give you guys an option to get your heart right with God and to come to the altar and ask God to forgive you I don't know if there's a piano that wants to play or not but I want to give you an option if you have something in your life that you need to get right with God I promise I will share the ministry, but at this time, I want every, how, every head bowed and every eye closed. And I want to challenge you to come to get your heart right with God. If you need forgiveness in your life, just take a moment and think. If you can remember something that someone has done to you, that's a very good indication that you have not forgiven them yet. And I want to 
challenge you tonight. Don't let your life be destroyed. Don't pleading with you. I don't know half of the people in here. Or I don't even know a tenth of the people in here. I don't know what your life has been through. But all I do know is that God has forgiven me. And he offers your forgiveness. If you're not able to forgive, give your life to Jesus tonight. Ask Jesus into your heart so that you can forgive.